Kicking and Streaming Podcast is brought to you by Cafe 1804. Premium Haitian coffee now available online at cafe1804.com. That's cafe, K-A-F-E, 1804.com. All right, so we should get this show on the, on the road, isn't it? That, that was... I was like kind of a quick question to you. Oh, yeah. Let's get rolling. Start your engines. Oh, your engine. Cocker in neutral. Get her going. Bam, bam, bang. Go, 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 go. Yeah. All right. So let's do this. Mm, mm, mm. This is Kicking and Streaming Podcast, a binge watcher's guide to streaming movies, TV series, and stuff. Here are your hosts, Graham and Jocelyn. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Kicking and Streaming Podcast. My name is Graham, and with me today is, of course, the absolutely fantastic Jojo today with a new hairdo and color. Let's do this, Jojo. Talk to me about, look at this. Look at, you know what, I'm going to put you on the spotlight right now. So yes. There you go. Very lovely. Oh, snap. What? I ain't even going to play with y'all, man. <laughs> Jojo, talk to me about the decision process on this one. because you know. uh, I usually go to the stylist and uh, she goes, shows me colors and I'm like, just do whatever you want. So, yeah. Oh, <laughs> she shows you colors, but at the end you're like, yeah, just do your thing. Yeah. I mean, unless it's like something I'm like, no, no. But most of the time, she'll just be like, hey, you, you want to do this and this this time? I'm like, yeah, let's do this and this. I'm oh, my this. Lord. That is dope, man. Forgive my dog who decided that this is exactly the precise moment he needs to bark. Like, I can <laughs> promise you that this dog has not barked all day. I haven't heard anything out of him in our, in our pre, pre-game pre-show exactly. game yeah so yet, yet here we are <laughs> you know what can i tell you this he's is, given his howdy do's this is the game he plays and i can't tell you uh how it goes but well here here's the thing we wanna obviously you noticed that last week we weren't here it was the fourth of july weekend and in the United States, and we tend to take those, those you know, those those three days off, right? Because why not? It's a celebration of America, 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 America. Uh, and, and I have to, you know, subdue quivering chihuahuas who are terrified of fireworks. So yes, that usually takes a couple of days to recover. Yes, 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 yes. It wouldn't have been a, a couple of good days to record in any way, shape, or form. Because first, the fireworks are going all around and the dogs that are terrified. Yeah. Uh, so we skipped that week and we promised that we're not going to do it again. <laughs> for the remainder no, for the remainder of the year, we are going to uh, give you, continue to give that consistency that we, we do. So this is our promise to you. <laughs> and um, so let's get to the to the business at hand. Jojo, this week we are reviewing a documentary film on Netflix called Sophie. And uh, I, I don't know if the people who came up with this, who who produced this documentary, understand 
American psyche because no one, unless you hear Kicking and Streaming talk about it, is going to go and volunteer to watch something that just has the name of some French lady. <laughs> That's very Now, true. who killed Sarah? Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Who the fuck yeah. killed Sarah? Let's find yeah. out. Yeah. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. But, yeah, Sophie. Yeah. The fuck is Sophie? Sophie. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Sophie, and then, and then the rest of it is very very long too you know a murder in west cork it's like, it's like oh this is, this is so bland sounding it's it's yeah. a very 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 bland sounding story but it, to me it, it, i found it fascinating absolutely fascinating this is what we do we we find things that that are completely sui generis and and that people wouldn't think much of and we say, let's give it a go. Yep. And we did that with this one. And I'm happy that you suggested it, Judge. I'm happy I, that that. I, was, I wasn't sure what you would think of it because with it being true crime and all, but I thought it was really a really interesting peek into Irish and, and French judiciary systems. Yeah. And so let's, let's, let's just talk about it. Uh, please tell our audience uh, who's who and what's what. <laughs> I, th- I think your dog wants to tell them. <laughs> I swear to you, this is, this is just madness, man. <laughs> so we are talking about, uh, it's a three-part documentary, a short series. It's called Sophie, a Murder in West Cork. It is available on Netflix. It is about a murder of a French citizen in Ireland. It happened in 1996. And it follows the story of some of the ineffectualism, I would say, of the Irish police and judiciary system and some of their strong points. It, it goes for both. And also the, the sadness and the ache of an unsolved murder and what it does to the family, especially, I think, when the family is in another country entirely and it's not really, there's a completely different set of rules for the country that they are in. So outcomes that they are expecting and information that they are accept, expecting does not come through because it's a different, whole different kettle of fish, if you will. Um, so it does follow a little bit of Sophie's life, a little bit of what happened to her and her family and the aftermath of this. And uh, it was in 1996 and it is still unsolved. So um, it's very, very interesting in my opinion. Yeah. I, I, I like this documentary, but the first, in uh, in one of the, the first thing that struck me is that there are a number of reasons why this crime has not been solved. Yes. So the main, main, main reason of it, uh, of all is policing competence, yes. <laughs> and we, we're gonna go. We're gonna go into into it a little bit, but you know, like I said, I would not have watched it. Have you not? Had you not said we should we should give it a go, right? So, did you hear? Did you read something about it before you know stumbling upon it, or were you just going around? I was just um, kind of in the depths of Netflix <laughs> looking for something to watch and it popped up and it started, 
it started a preview. I think it had sat there for a second while I was looking at something on my phone and the preview started. And I was like, this looks very, very interesting. Like this is, this seems like it could be a very interesting story. So I decided to just give it a shot and it kind of grabbed me within the first five minutes and, um, and took it from there. And uh, I did enjoy the fact that to me, it didn't seem to be horribly sensationalized. You'd never see her body, which I think is a wonderful thing for a documentary. So often they show you the person after they're dead and the aftermath and, you know, crime scene photos and things like that. And I feel like that's something that Americans at least have come to expect in a true crime story. And I do feel that's kind of sad because that's, Although we are learning and, and discussing this person because something horrible happened to them, I feel like we should be focusing on the person that they were before they were horrifically murdered, not necessarily what was left after that event. And to your point, I think that was done very perfectly. Like there was there was a dignified way that, you know, Sophie Toussaint Duplantier was always spoken of. And both on, on the end of the family. And as a matter of fact, even on the end of the person who, until today, was the suspected murderer. And so we, we, this is what we're going to go into, be, into it a little bit, but let me do a quick reset here. Once again, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Kicking and Streaming Podcast. My name is Graham. With me today is, of course, my venerable and absolutely fantastic Jojo my co-host, and we are addressing Netflix's Sophie, A Murder in West Cork. And as you've heard on a brief explanation, this is a documentary that navigates the horrific murder of a French citizen named Sophie Toscan Duplantier, who owned a home in the town of uh, skull in West Cork, Ireland. Uh, it was sort of a vacation home, wasn't it, Judge? Yeah, it seemed like it was sort of her her refuge, her her base to be solitary and kind of recharge and become herself again. It sounded like she very much valued her privacy and her ability to be alone. She liked to be alone sometimes, and uh, that was her her escape. Yes. And so I think a couple of things happened here and that in itself derailed everything about this murder. Anytime that there's a murder, it shocks society as a whole. Of course. Um, But it happened in a very small town where the word murder was simply not part of the vocabulary. It was a very, very, very small Irish town where even though people, you couldn't say, only the locals knew each other very well, but, but because it was such a, a place for expats to come together and, and be themselves or whatever, it had so many little pockets of expat communities that, you know, uh, there were a lot of strange people there too. But at the same time, the town was tolerant enough to welcome everybody, which is what they say, which is, to a certain extent, the truth, except that there's tolerance and there's tolerance. And there was one particular man whom I believe 
not only the police targeted, but the town targeted. And his only sin is that he was an annoying, narcissistic asshole. <laughs> yes, yes, and and it's uh, the dif- the decisions the the it's sort of sort of divided the town, I believe, as to who believed he was guilty and who believed he was just an asshole. <laughs> because I did like you know the the fact of just because he is a you know a narcissistic borderline personality disorder doesn't necessarily make him a murderer. It might. I, I actually, in watching this, thought about our discussion um, in the movie with Jared Leto, Leto and yeah, um, yes. and Denzel Washington, and I thought about our discussion with that because I was like, this kind of feels like the same sort of thing. Like, it could be. Like, are we, is, are we really going after this guy because he did it, or are we going after him because we don't like him, because he clicks all of our boxes? Yeah. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. So <laughs> we are talking about the character. In fact, I think much of the documentary is focused so much more on him than the person who got murdered and we were, we're seeking justice for, uh, Sophie. So his name is Ian Bailey. And when you watch this, we're not giving you any spoilers here. No. We're, just, we're just setting up for you a scenario so that you understand. Because... The documentary does not necessarily have an agenda. I think I think pretty much the documentary let things set their the course and, and take their own course. But at the same time, we like to have a an interlocutor telling us not necessarily what to think, but here's what you should be thinking now, and here's what happened, and here's what didn't happen. You don't have that. This is the the real true crime documentary without a narrator, without somebody setting up the agenda or setting up the course of where things go. It just tells you a story by intertwining a lot of smaller stories. Yes. So there's a lot that we could talk about this in the course of an hour, and we're still not going to spoil it for you. I can promise you this. <laughs> it's very, very true. <laughs> very true. It's it's like it's the most intertwined, crazy, batshit documentary I've seen in a long time. But let's talk about the possible culprits. One of my biggest problems with the way the investigation is conducted is the fact that once whoever decided this weird guy must be the one who did it, there was never any other potential culprit. And everybody else that they looked at, they looked at so briefly that you could tell that they just wanted to just get back to the to, to harassing Ian Bailey. So in your mind, Jojo, who could have done this of all the characters? I I don't know. I I don't subscribe to the theory that it was a hit person from France or anything like that. If they were the hit person, whoever hired them needs to get their money back because they did <laughs> they yeah. did a terrible job. Yeah. Um, but I I don't know as because it almost felt like it was someone someone local that 
she sort of knew that that maybe came over and enticed her outside. And by local, I mean like a tr- a true local, not not what did they call them, wash ups or something like that, or. Yes, um, yeah. They the, have a the name. People, they have a name for expats. Yes, yes. It's pretty yes. funny too. Yes, it was, <laughs> but I, I, I felt like it was more likely to be somebody like that than Mister Mister Bailey. I just don't. I don't know. It just didn't. It didn't ring. Although he has a history of violence, and he has a history of being a really terrible person, a genuinely terrible person, it simply to me didn't fit with with anything that he has done in the past. They really never were able to prove that they had a link to each other. And to me, I don't I don't see him bashing somebody's head out on a rock that he didn't have a very close relationship with. I do see him bashing somebody's head out with a rock because he's essentially done that to his partner before. But I just, without there being a very strong connection to someone, I I don't think that he would have done it. (laughs) You know, we agree. I I agree with everything. I I don't believe that this was the work of a hitman because (laughs) it was, it was violent and there was suffering. Yes. You know, a hitman will just will just do the job and get the fuck out. Yes. You, you know what I mean? Like there's no reason who whoever killed Sophie had rage. Yes. Whether momentarily or a burst of it that that probably had never happened to them before, but there was rage there. There was it was extremely violent. And so there was no sexual sexual assault. No. So that opens up the possibility that it could easily have been a female killer too. I will say that was actually my first thought was, what if this was a jealous wife, right. uh, or or a jealous partner, or or someone right. like that? It just it it did feel very personal to me, and it felt, as you said, a, a lot of rage. So I. I I, I did think of that too. I was like, that was was one of my first thoughts. Was this is somebody was like, I think you're, um, you're a you know, awesome yes, yeah. yes, exactly. Yeah. Because there were so many rumors about her that were all apparently totally untrue. But if you get in someone un- that into someone's head who's unstable anyway. And they decide, oh, my husband looked at you, or you looked at my husband, or you don't put curtains on your bedroom at night, so therefore you're 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 trying to get attention and people to look at you. I don't know, some sort of like uh, prudish. Not that's the wrong word that I'm looking for, but like uh, let's let's cure, let's let's remove this temptation from our town. Yeah, and let's 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 clean the town and 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 get this 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 horror out out of it. Yeah, yeah. And and the reason I say this is because one, I, we talked about the violence. And it wasn't somebody who who felt like they needed to surprise her and go into the house and hide and wait to the person here's here's my conjecture is someone came and started calling her out. Right, and it could be done because her house was so remote 
that no one else would have said, who, 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 let me let me open my window and see who is there yelling for this French yeah. lady to come out. Yeah. The French lady comes out and start to reason with whoever it was. That person couldn't see reason. And this lady is talking to me, trying to speak my English with the, her horrible French accent. That's it. I'm done with you. Bang, 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 bang. A fight ensues. And boom. And again, the house is remote enough for anybody to just, that's it. I'm out. Because her body was not discovered until at least 12 hours after the crime had been committed. Yes. Right? But no one one considered any other possibilities. Their only possibilities were... If it happened in 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 Skull Island, it was Ian Bailey. If if not, if it was anybody from Skull Island, it was Ian Bailey. If not, it was some somebody from France. It was a, a hitman. Everything they were they, they were Hollywoodizing this shit so much that they blew it. Yeah, they blew yeah. it because yeah. because they they didn't approach everything with a calm head and say, let's follow every single um, theory, you know? Yeah. And I, I think that to some extent he is responsible for some of that because he did put forward the idea of, oh, it was a French hitman or, you know, um, oh, she, she had multiple male callers, which was not true. You know, which is, there's a link between her husband and, and some sort of mafia or something like that, which was untrue. And I, I think that he called attention to himself being so narcissistic. I think it was almost a, 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 a one in your eye to the cops. Like, I'm going to say all this stuff and, and I know you don't like me but I'm going to say all this stuff and maybe you'll come after me, but I didn't do it. So I know it's fine. Yeah. I don't, I don't really think that he had the guts to do something quite as cold blooded in the sense of the way it was done. I know it was done in rage. I know it was done in murder, but it, it wasn't, I don't know how to quite describe what I'm trying to say. It wasn't a, there didn't seem to be a relationship with anyone that caused this to happen, a previous relationship. She didn't complain about anybody to anyone. She didn't say, oh, I have this this reporter who won't leave me alone, you know, that kind of thing. So I, it, it, feel, uh, it feels like someone harbored a, a grudge against her for a very long time, and then it just exploded one night. Like something happened, and it just exploded. Yeah, somebody, somebody harassed her. She probably didn't make, a, make much of it. You know, she probably thought... Yeah, there's some crazy person that yells at me from time to time. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Sometimes people hit you just because of the fact of you being new, right? Yes, yes. You, you're new in town. I don't know yes. you that much. I'm going to make a lot of theories in my head about who you are and what you're up to and what what what, what about you. And and that in itself could get you killed, yes. <laughs> you know? Yes, um, and... Yeah, I know there was a lot of discussion about, oh, this town is so open-minded and open-armed and everything like that. But I don't think that you can apply that to such a small, isolated area in the 90s to every single individual that lives in that town. No. There might have been 
an overall welcoming feeling, but to me, there is always in some place that small, that isolated. And that in that time period, there is always going to be someone who is going to be very, very close minded and very much into no, you know, it's, it's Irish people only it's Catholicism only it's the, it's this only, you know, I, I just, I don't believe that every single person in that town was like, Oh yeah, this is wonderful and great. Come live here. Yeah. And and the other thing is that the whole idea of them being open-minded in, in really welcoming, that's what they think of themselves. Yes. That's the other thing too. (laughs) <laughs> you know, it's it's very convenient for you to say, man, we are very, it's, it's the, the whole, you know, I'm not trying to be mean, but I'm not racist, but I'm not homophobic, <laughs> but yeah. do you know what I mean? Because yeah. you, you, you don't want to think of yourself as a person or, or a group of people with, with certain phobia or certain things. So yes. they say that about themselves. But my conclusion was, I remember telling my wife, I said to Christine, the only reason this is going so far is because despite what this this town think of themselves, they are, all of them have something to say about Ian Bailey, and it is how much he annoys them, how much they dislike him. But it wasn't, I hate the guy. It was just a, ugh, this fucking guy. So Bailey was this fucking guy. Do you see what I mean? Like, yes. this guy has never done anything offensive to me, but I don't like him. Yeah. That was the conclusion. Oh, yeah. he stops the music and recites poems and shit. And, 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 and there was one lady who even had a, a cultural beef with him. The fact that he was an Englishman who came to a small town in England and tried to appropriate himself as a, an Irish poet. And she, like, everybody had a, a, a grudge. And because of that grudge, if there was anybody who, who had, from this town, who ha- had to be pegged as a freak, as a murderer, let's give them the annoying guy. Especially because this shit is bringing some negative international connotation to us and we don't want it. Yeah. Yeah. And I will say that I I, I didn't like him either. I mean, he, every single interview with him, I, I wanted to punch him in the face as hard as I possibly could. And I do agree that he was a complete and total asshole. I don't think he was anything but that. The fact that he put his partner in the hospital many times, he should be in jail. But I don't think he should be in jail for the murder of Sophie. I don't think he was involved in that. I do think he should be in prison for what he did to his partner and has apparently continued to do to his partner. But I do not believe that he was responsible for her violent murder. And that's what it all comes down to is just because someone is genuinely a bad person does not mean that they should have the sins of someone else foisted upon them. Yeah, but but here's the thing, though. The fact that Ian Bailey never went to jail for what he did to his partner, the time the, the town is to blame. The authorities in the authorities in the, in the time is to blame. Here's the reason why. You know, if somebody mur- murders another one, right, no one is expecting the murdered person to press charges. 
you murdered someone, you get arrested and you go to you, you, you go to jail, right? You you go through the process of justice and you go to jail. The notion that this guy is gonna fuck off half the life out of his partner, right? But he's going free because she's not pressing charges. Yes. She has the black eyes. She has you. Yes, you have evidence that what he did, he did. Yes, I don't give a shit. She's not pressing charges. Yes. This is a societal offense. As no, I don't know if it's as grave. I, I I don't know the measurement to that. But you wouldn't have said, "Well, the murdered person is not here to press charges, so there's nobody." Like that's not the way shit should work, and it only works that way because hey, it's a woman, so we have to. Agreed. <laughs> that, that, that's, Agreed. That's Agreed. what bothers me the most about Agreed. this. No, I, I told my husband about it too. When I watched it, I was like, the fact that it comes down to that she didn't charge him, that he's not in jail, is disgusting to me. Because that should not ever be... If you've essentially almost killed someone, because he fractured her skull, he knocked her eyeball out of her head, and they had to put it back in. If it comes down to an assault that is that bad then that should be taken out of the person's hands who was assaulted because there is no possible way they can make a proper decision. One, because they're probably under the influence of who knows how many painkillers and, and, and all having all these horrible things happen to them. And two, if they've gotten to the point that they're in a relationship with somebody who treats them like that, they will never be able to think clearly until they've had a very significant amount of time away from that person. And they may never be able to again. So it needs to be taken from their hands and given to the responsibility of someone who is a disinterested, dispassioned party to say, this is severe enough that this person is going to kill you next time. We're going to charge him with attempted murder. I I couldn't have said it better because that's (laughs) that's simple. It is simple as that. I don't see the point of saying, yeah, but she's not pressing charges. Like... Who gets yeah. mad? Like, who in society takes the side of the of the battered woman? Uh, I, you know, what I mean, like, like really, really. Yeah. Look, man, if you don't want to testify, that's fine. But we yeah. already have you as evidence. Yes. Yeah. Once we take pictures of of what you look like at the yes. hospital. We have the doctor's reports and reviews and x-rays and things like that. Then you are the evidence. You don't have to testify. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So let's talk a little bit about Sophie's family. Because um, some of these motherfuckers were weird, too. You know. (laughs) They were. They were. I I kind of had a soft spot for all of them, though. I don't know why. I, of I course, kind of... <laughs> no, I like I I like them. I I my heart goes out to 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 Pierre Louis, the the son, yes. uh, the two parents. You could see how yes. even so many years later they were still absolutely devastated. Yes. Well, there was that aunt who thinks of herself as some kind of gypsy tarot reader. <laughs> she is as narcissistic. And as fronting as Ian Bailey. She was the Ian Bailey version on the side of Sophie's family. You know, the crazy thing is that she was the star on the, on the, on the, on Sophie's family. You know, she had the, you know, the very extremely dark black hair thing going on. Like, seriously, this was some lady that you could have found somewhere, 
you know, in Romania, telling you, you can't say that you're going to die in 2020, 15, you know. She was the one that was talking about the hand and the yeah. lifeline, right? Wasn't yeah. that her? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, my mother yeah. read her hand and told her, you are going to die at 40. I'm like, she is still trying. She, 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 she's trying to insert herself in there, in a way. But then she talks about Ian Bailey, like, Ian Bailey is such a narcissist and such love the camera. Is he I, going to. Il, il aime très bien d'être interviewé, Monsieur Bailey, là. Il va parler avec vous parce qu'il aime ça très bien. And I'm like, well, that's exactly what you're doing. You love being interviewed, do you? You know what? Shut up. <laughs> he was, he was funny, I loved man. that part when she was like, she was like, oh, he loves to be interviewed or, or whatever, you know, whatever it was translated as and or interpreted as. And um, he <laughs> it just cracked me up because I was like, well, you're kind of the same. <laughs> <laughs> Takes one to know one, I guess. <laughs> That's amazing to me. You know, and the other thing is that also they tried to pin the thing on on Sophie's husband at the time. Right? Yes. Yes. Only because he was kind of like an older weirdo, too. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? And like, you know what? People un- understand this. People have the right to be weird. That does do. not make them murderers. You know? It doesn't even necessarily make them bad people. At all. At all. No. At no. all. That's but the really, thing. You, I, you can I, be an I, asshole. I, like, you can be. Yes. Not every asshole is a bad person. Exactly. Sometimes assholery is called for. Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. you know. And yeah. this dude, he had his thing going on. And also, I think there's the stigma of, yeah, is you know, he is the older dude with the young hot wife. Yeah. And he's got to be really extremely jealous. This is yeah. dude that was, like, confident enough to, to marry this woman. And, and like... It, Somebody said, oh, she was his third trophy wife. I think that that's disrespectful to, to, to Sophie more than anything I do too. Else. I do too, very much so. She wasn't a she, trophy. She was not. She was a producer. She was an artist in her own right. She was, I, I wish that they had touched a little bit more on her work because it was interesting, the little bit that they did talk about her work. I would have liked to know a little bit more about, but it sounds like he fully supported her. The fact also to me that says that she wasn't a quote-unquote trophy wife is she did leave him. She had a relationship, a long-term relationship with someone else, and then went back to her husband. If she was simply a trophy wife, he would have been like, get to the door. Go on, get – I found some blonde lady and we're – I got got the fourth one. Right, exactly. I got a fourth one and she's 10 years younger than you, so go on, get (laughs) – you know, so I, I don't, I think that he truly had feeling for her. And the pictures of him, I mean, I, I do wish that he had been interviewed a little bit, but, um, you know, the, the pictures of him at the funeral, um, he just looked completely devastated yeah, to yeah. me. And the fact that he did not go to Ireland to view her body, the police made such a huge yeah. um kerfuffle about yeah. and i i just was like sometimes there's things you can't do of course just just because and just because you can't do them doesn't mean that you're unfeeling or uncaring it can be exactly the opposite you feel and you care too much and you 
you know that you can't do that and you've got to hold things together for her son. Jojo, we've had this conversation, you and I. We've (laughs) we've talked about how everybody thinks that there's a playbook for grieving. Yeah. And to anyone who thinks so, fuck you. Yes. Amen. (laughs) Because this that's the kind of shit that put innocent people behind bars. Yes. Because in your view, they didn't cry enough. They didn't yes. look distraught enough. Or they cried too much. Or they were way too overreacting and shit. Yeah. There is no playbook for grieving. No. This man just learned that his wife died in a horrific way and he wasn't there. Yes. He wasn't there. He wasn't... That's that that was his 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 thing is that she she died alone away from me. Yeah. You know, I I feel like I should have been there. Do yeah. you know what I mean? And yeah. so like, no man, not everybody is ready to go and, and identify a body. Because the uncle said that he was the one who went and identified it, and he said, I knew it was her. But I couldn't say it was her. And immediately I thought, my sister can't see her daughter like that. Do you know what I mean? Not everybody has that heart. Not yeah. everybody has that heart. You know, yeah. when, when uh, my mother passed away uh, two years ago, when I went to Haiti, you know, I went to the morgue and, and I was making the, the, the funeral arrangement and the... Funeral guys told me, you know, if you want, you're going to have a moment. We can go and pull the slab out and show you, you know, so you have a moment to see her. And I was like, no, man, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. I'm good. And yeah. I was the son that was away. I hadn't seen my mother for, for a few years. You know what I mean? So that that would, many would have thought, oh, well, this was an opportunity for you to, and I, no, I couldn't, I couldn't. And for, you know, I had, when I learned of my mother's passing while I was here, you know, I cried. But after that, this, you know, stoicism just hugged me and I, I got this valor. I went to Haiti and blah, 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 and fr- confronted everything. But I cannot tell you how it broke me that morning of the funeral when I entered that church and I saw her. That's when I bloody lost it. So imagine, like, grief comes at people in different ways. There's no playbook for, for grief. And, and, yeah. and people have to stop believing that he should have acted somehow. You should act somehow. You should do this. You should be that. You should be dying. You should be calling her name. No, no, no. Because again, these are the guys. There are a lot of people right now that may have been accused of killing their wives, their mother, their parents, because they didn't act a certain way when they learned something. So grief. Let people do their grief the way they can, the way they can cope. And the time frame, too, because there's plenty of people who seem to think, 
oh, well, you need to be crying in this amount of time. You know, if you're not crying within five minutes, you're heartless. Or, or if you're still crying four weeks later, would you get it together? You know? Yeah. Yeah. There's other so, same people that tell you like, oh, come on, that's yeah. enough of that already. Yeah. So it, it's, it's grief is, is such a personal experience and nobody, nobody's is the same. It is, it is completely and totally about your relationship with the person who died, about the way you felt about them, the way they felt about you, things that were not said, things that were said. There is absolutely no playbook for grief. There is no guidebook. There is nothing. There may be quote unquote stages of grief. I know, I know there's been things where people talk about that, but that's never anything that should be considered an ironclad rule. I think that is there as perhaps a way to help people who feel like they aren't normal because they aren't where they're supposed, where they think they're supposed to be for grief. But it's, it's, it's never going to be, it's never going to be what anybody thinks it's going to be one (laughs) yourself. You're not going to act the way you think you're going to act. And, and two, anybody that tries to tell somebody else how they should feel about someone that they genuinely loved, they need to go fuck themselves. Simple as that. I couldn't have said it any better. (laughs) So let's talk a little bit about the way justice justice worked in this case. I am grateful for, for the jury system. But more than anything else, I'm grateful for the for the step before that must be taken before somebody is indicted in Ireland, and it is the review from the uh, D is it DPP they call it DPP yeah I, I was I'd never heard of such a thing so so basically it is somebody who has law enforcement knowledge but is also a lawyer. They take the report from all of the investigation, analyze it based on the law, and then they decide whether or not the investigation was done properly enough and has gathered evidence, enough evidence to convict, to, to indict this person. Yes. And that's one step, that's one huge step that I think is, is is important and we should actually have and adopt in, in, the, in the United States. Because too many times the detectives, the police, have already decided the culpability or innocence of people and basically make it so, make it happen. To the point where, where by the time it gets to a court, it's already been decided. Yeah. It's already been decided. Everything has is, 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 is inclined for this person to be convicted without... I mean, come on. How many people in the United States have, aren't doing time on circumstantial evidence? So many. <laughs> so many. And there are states that will allow you to be killed to be will allow you to be executed based on circumstantial evidence 
Yes. And this did not yes. happen here. And I love it. I love it. I love it. Now, I kept getting angry at Ian Bailey for poking the bear. Yes. <laughs> you know. Yes. Ian Ian Bailey is uh, not a smart man. <laughs> he's He thinks he's a smart man. I think he think, he, he think he's the smartest of all. Yes. I but think he's he an asshole. He's, yes. He, he is not a smart man. And... um there's what is it? There's nothing more dangerous than willful. Was it will? No, stupidity without the knowledge that you're stupid. I can't quite remember the quote, yeah. but yeah, um, makes sense. I I will say to the DPP that I found some of the comments that were made on the report that he made in the decision to not. I think he made the right decision, but I think some of his comments and some of his worldviews were a, a, a bit wrong <laughs> and outdated. Yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> I, I, I do think that he came to the right decision. Yes. But I, I feel that if something like that were enacted, it needs to be more than one person, like maybe a small panel of, of disimpassioned people who are removed from the case to look at. But there, there were certain things because, you know, when they brought up the evidence that – that, Ian Bailey would beat up his partner regularly. It was essentially something like, well, haven't we all beat our wives at one time <laughs> or another? And I was like, you see, like oh, Unfortunately, God. these things happen all the time. And I'm like, yeah. what? <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately, these right. things happen all the time. They, like, they do happen all the time. But I was like, that's not, oh, no, God. That, no. That, that shouldn't justify not, anything, <laughs> you know? No, no. But- I, I, but I do agree that there should be another step before the process of of going to trial. Um, but I just because to me it sounded as though this gentleman it was just one gentleman. It kind of sounded like it was a, a life position because when they yeah. showed the picture of him toddling out, yeah, with his like, little double canes. Yeah. Um, not that that means he's he's not intelligent or or, or anything like that, but I. I felt like that all he did was just sit in a room all day and read cases. And I was like, you need to get out more, dude. And, 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 and it's a lot of power, Jojo. That's the thing. Yes. It, that's why yes. I agree with you with, with the with the fact that it should be a panel. And you, you know how I feel about lifetime app- appointments. Yes. Because, you know, power corrupt. <laughs> that's yes. That's a fact. Yes. You know, I, I, when you've done something for so many years – you think you belong there. You belong on that chair, and your decisions start to become to 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 take a a godly worldview. This yes. is that it's going to happen like this because I said so, and there's nothing you can do because I'm here for life. Now yes. I don't know if the DPP position is a for life position, but in a small town like that, it might be a for life position. In a small town like that, any government position might be. <laughs> it might be a flight. It's it like, well, there's nobody else to do it. So here you go. <laughs> Let's vote for this motherfucker again. <laughs> you know. But, but I, you're I, right. <laughs> I um I can't remember what I was gonna say. I had a thought, but it went away. Poof. That hasn't happened in a while. Yeah, man, but hey, we all been there. Unfortunately, those are things that happen. Yes. Yes, unfortunately, as, one of those things that happened. Yeah, as the DPPs. <laughs> like, I, I wanted to meet his wife. I'm like, ma'am, how many times has this, this nigga beat, beat the shit out of you? Because he says in his report. <laughs> unfortunately. That, <laughs> unfortunately, these are things that happen. Has he done that to you? 
<laughs> you know. But I I know what I was going to say. I, I I don't if you've ever been in if you've ever done office work, you will know that there will always be a little bitty at a desk somewhere who has worked there for 60 years. Yeah. <laughs> and and she does things her way. Things will only ever be done her way. Yeah. She is not open to anybody else's opinion or the way anything else is done. She will only ever do it the way she does it. And she's essentially there for life. Yeah. And it, it, to me, it was kind of the same correlation with that, that, that you know, the I, I'm here for life. This is my opinion. And if you're not exposed to other things and if you're not willing to be exposed to other things, you will eventually be like, well, I know everything and I know the best way for it to be done because I'm the one who's been doing it and it works. So obviously it must be right. Yeah. Those ladies at work that won't get used to Epic and complain, (laughs) why did they have to take Da Vinci away? Y'all don't know what I'm talking about, but I... I, (laughs) I'm old enough to remember when people would say, when the, the biddies would say, I want my typewriter. I don't want this stupid computer. Oh, really? I need my book. I need my book. I, need, I really need my book, my paper book that I would write things in for patient appointments. So. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So let's talk about justice in France. Because Fascinating. what a load of bullshit. <laughs> what a load of bullshit. You know, convicted in absentia. Really? So, dude doesn't even get to defend himself. Uh, you get a bunch of of not subjective evidence and testimonies. And as a matter of fact, there was a theory that surged a little more than 20 years after the murder that no one thought should have come about before which was, you know, I got a phone call from her where she told me, yo, I'm here because I need to meet with this guy who's a poet and he wanted to talk about his book. And I'm like, y'all never said that to the Irish folks. Right. <laughs> how right. are you, taking, taking how are you coming up with years. that now? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it may have been true, Georgia, but like I have to think, sure. y'all motherfuckers making this up. I'm just saying, 20 years later, y'all niggas be making this shit up. I mean, come on. I And I do wonder with, with, with the case of, because that was the friend, right? Her close friend. Yeah, the friend and, and that uh, other guy, Charbonnet. Was yes. it Charbonnet? No, no. Yeah. yeah. Charbonnet was, was Charbonnet the lover or? He was the, the lover. The, okay. Yeah. But it was the friend and another male friend of, of hers. It wasn't Charbonnet. But I'm like... Um, yeah. It, part of me wondered if it wasn't, I want to help the family. I want to do something. I want them yeah. to not feel pain anymore. And I, the human brain is so strange. Yeah. <laughs> it is very strange. And she may have been thinking about that conversation a lot. And something in her head suddenly said, we're going to create this memory. Exactly. Of, we had this conversation. She may not be lying in the sense of that she fabricated this story with the intent with any intent of anything. She may genuinely believe this is a memory and it may genuinely be a memory, but part of me feels that she feels so much guilt 
because she did mention that she couldn't go with her. She was yeah. she was one of the friends that was called that yeah. she couldn't go with her. And, and you know, you have the guilt of oh, I could have been with her and maybe on I the other hand, stopped it. On the other hand, her ass would have been dead too. I'm just saying. That's what I think. <laughs> That's what I think too. Because I know the aunt too was like, I should have gone, I should have gone. I'm like, you'd be dead too, lady. <laughs> yeah. I mean I mean, either they would have killed you too, or you would have keeled over because you're you're And the aunt is like, Yeah, I, I didn't go because I had a cold. Yeah, yeah. Whatever, dude. Okay. Whatever. But I I do wonder that, especially about the friend, if it wasn't, if it wasn't, I want to help the family, I want to do something, and if her brain didn't just sort of dredge something up that may or may not have been true. But I, I just didn't get the impression from her that she was someone that was a liar or, or someone that was um, dramatic or anything like that. The friend, to me, seemed very pragmatic. Yeah. Um and except when it came to that one bit of story, I was like, eh, I, I'm kind of giving you a pass on that. Cause I just don't, I don't, I think your brain made that up because you wanted to help so badly. Yeah. That's uh, like in that, in that sense, I'm, I, I wasn't too hard on, on, on them. I was just saying uh, what I, I kept saying to myself was like, it's just strange that you, you Both remember that now. And Both then the them. other dude decided that he was going to remember that one there too, you know, because yeah. the younger cousin, right, he he said, I received a phone call. After she got to Ireland, I received a phone call from from her. But I didn't I didn't get the call. And to this day, I wonder what she would have wanted to talk about. What 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 was she calling about? That's a completely different thing. That's a what if situation where you're saying, yes. you know, I wish I had taken that phone call. I wish I had yes. taken that phone call and maybe if she was, she had a, a feeling and had asked me, hey man, can you, can you come? Can you come and stay with me for a few days? Maybe I would have done that and none of that would have happened. You know, it's all of those what if that, that goes to mind. Yes. But the notion that Oh, it's been 22 years, but now that I remember, she did call me one time and tell me, well, the reason why I'm in Ireland today is because I'm here to meet with this guy. And I told her, don't meet with him alone. Don't. I don't think so. I, I don't think so. I, I think, yeah. as you say, Judge, the mind is playing some trick there. I don't necessarily think that this lady, I don't know the dude, but. I don't necessarily think that this lady is making shit up. Well, intentionally making shit up. Exactly. Exactly. I don't think so. Yeah. But here's the I thing. Did, uh-huh. I did find the idea, because I, I know and knew absolutely nothing about the French justice system, but the idea of a, a bouquet of evidence, I can't remember the term. I'm sure you know what it is. But I found that totally fascinating. I was like, I've never heard of such a thing in my life that's just bizarre and and weird and neat and awful at the same time <laughs> it is it is bizarre because but but you you all you can see there is the the idea of a justice system that was created for the benefit of a king for the benefit of of you know, it was it was just a system that was created during the time of feudalism. Our friends have must always come on top. 
So all they have to present to us is a bouquet of evidence and we will always decide in their favor. <laughs> you know? It's fascinating. Because really fascinating. Because that's that's stupid. Like like and and the notion that through the years that justice system system has not been revised. Or evolved or anything. <laughs> exactly. Like I I I like the idea of someone's in the sense of I'm thinking of the American justice justice system. Mm-hmm. Not always, but typically if someone is a has had a past of I'm I'm gonna use rape as an example, has had a past of raping people, um and they come to trial, that evidence is not always of their past actions, is not always allowed into the case of their latest action. And if it's something that correlates nearly exactly to what they've done, I feel that that is an injustice. Because although I know that we are just talking about this one particular case, if someone has a history of doing the same type of thing to the same type of people, I feel that that should be allowable as evidence. Um, That's just me personally. (laughs) So I do like that idea because I, I just don't think that, you know, someone who people have gotten off for things that they did do. We, we usually talk about folks who have gotten off for things that they didn't do, which I think happens or, have gotten off, have been convicted of things that they did not do more so than the other way around. Right. But I do think that it does happen more so in crimes against women um, when you don't take a pattern of behavior in into, into account. Um, you know, you could even take the Cosby case as a bit of an example of that. So many, so many complaints, so many actions, so much circumstantial proof, so much actual proof, but we can only use a few of these cases. And then even though we get a conviction, all of that can be thrown out because of one technical, technical mistake at some point down the road. I do like the idea of there being the ability to say, this person does this, this is what they do. And we're going to show you why this is what they do. Yeah. But I do think that there's a slippery slope there, and the reason I think the, the reason I, I I think so is because once that is allowed, a prosecutor, if he knows that his case is weak, he might never attempt to up. prove his case. It's true. But rather up bring up everything else. So it's true. the justice system is not perfect, and. Um, you know the English justice system that we practice here is is isn't perfect, and the uh, Americanized <laughs> English justice system we practice here is is full of holes. But I'm you know I'm, I'm I was born in Haiti. I grew up in Dominican Republic. Most of Latin America practice sort of like a, the, the French justice system, right? Mm. A jury of your peers has nothing to do. <laughs> in determining whether or not you did it or didn't do it, but just some old, you know, bloated prostate asshole of a judge sits there and just 
listens to evidence and depending on how he's feeling that day and how much, how low or how highly he thinks of you based on your class or your race or your education, he decides you did it or not. And so, um, you know, I, I would always pick that sort of justice system where, where there's nine people, 12 people, five people who can listen and one of them at least have to object and say, can object and say, wait a minute, the hell was that? Are we really going to believe this? You know, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I, mean? yeah. I, I, I agree with that. That there yeah. should always be, there should always be more than one person making a decision because one person making this decision, as you said, it could come down to the fact that they had a indigestion that day. They could have early onset dementia that is not yeah. showing in other ways. They have each individual person has their own biases, their own beliefs. There's nobody that is impartial entirely. Yeah, exactly. Judges are supposed to be, but that's completely impossible because yeah. we're human beings. Yeah. Unless the judge is a computer, you don't get someone who's completely impartial. So you certainly need the the checks and balance of many people looking at something to say, you know, based on my life experience, there's no way this could happen or, you know, that kind of thing. And that my friend is what I am saying. Uh, um, because I mentioned that um, I was born in Haiti. And I know there's at least twice in every episode. I say that I feel like I have to, um, before we end, just, I'll talk about this a little bit. On the week that we are recording this podcast, earlier that week, the president of my country of birth, Haiti, was assassinated by a group of mercenaries, most of them from Colombia. And uh, his wife was gravely wounded, but so far has been receiving treatment in hospital in Fort Lauderdale. She was transported to the United States and she is still in, she's stable, but still in critical condition. This issue for me and for every Haitian, whether some of those who were supporters of the president or not, is, is a matter of shame because with all of our faults and with all of our political turmoil, we are, our country is a sovereign nation. And the idea that a group of foreign mercenaries entered the country and managed to enter the private residence of the head of a nation and killed him is... is is unheard of, you know, and like I said, I don't care how you feel or how you felt about this guy, but as Haitian, I pray that justice is done for what, what, what just happened. But also, my wish to you, wherever you are, is that, you know, something like that, never happens in your country because, you know, I, I can tell you that that day I felt like I could 
crawl under the bed and never come out because it's it's not right. <laughs> I'm not saying that I would have been happy if it were, you know, Haitians that killed the Haitian president. No, that's not what I'm saying. It's not. It's not. I, I, I don't condone the assassination of a president on by the hands of anyone. I'm just saying that there's something that is extremely broken in a nation where foreign mercenaries can go into the private residence of a president and kill him. And the international community, um, the United Nations, United States of America, AL, um, y'all should look in the mirror and, and, and understand how much you've done, how much you've contributed for the incessant chaos that keeps happening in Haiti. Because history is not going to judge you guys well. Because one thing we do know as Haitians is our history. And we know what you've done. And we know why things are the way they are. Right. Jojo. I'm sorry I got too serious here, but it's just, you know, this was weirder than coup d'etat, weirder than, than, than earthquake, weirder than hurricanes, weirder than every single thing that is disgraceful that has happened in Haiti. This one, I never saw it coming. I never thought it would happen. So, here we are. Uh, should we say goodbye on that note, Jojo? I have no words for you, Graham, except uh, my heart goes out to you and the people of your country and your family. Thank you. Those, those, those are words that, that will always mean a lot to me. And, and I, I, I was you know, hearted and happy that you, you reached out. But I didn't know how to feel. I just didn't know how to feel. It was it was weird, you know. Uh, it was weird. It was, I was angry and sad. And this is a dude that I, I only ever saw on TV or, you know, on newspapers and stuff, you know. So I, 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 the first time I heard the sound of his voice was actually on something, some video that was on on Facebook of an old uh, presidential address that he gave. That's how little I knew about him in terms of his politics, um, in terms of, of his actions as a president. Of course, I keep very much abreast with what happens in my country, and I know that he wasn't really doing a good job. He wasn't a good president but he was the head of a nation and he got assassinated and his wife is still fighting for her life and that's not fucking right that's it (laughs) well then on that note Jojo I want to tell folks that you can follow us on Instagram Facebook join our Facebook group you can also follow us on Twitter we are kicking and streaming and you'll find us everywhere if you are watching us on YouTube or on Twitch, subscribe. We're here every Saturday at 1 p.m., except for the days that we're not. 
<laughs> Anything else, Jojo, you'd like to add? No, I think that's it. <laughs> All right, then. So we're going to call it a day. Thank you very much for watching and for our friends who listen to the podcast. Thank you for listening. See you Thanks, next time. Everybody. Bye. Thank you for listening to Kicking and Streaming Podcast. If you found value in our content, please subscribe and share. We would also be delighted to hear what you think of this podcast. So please rate us by writing a quick review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform. Follow us on all major social media platforms such as Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Pinterest. Join the conversation happening today on our Facebook group.
No, I think that's it. Thanks, everybody. Bye.